Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Advisor Tech Show. My name's Tess Lee. I'm Managing Director of Money Info, and today I am delighted to have our guest, Ruth Hancock, who is CEO of Optimus Money, joining me face-to-face in real life, which is extra nice as well. How are you doing, Ruth? Very well. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Great to have you on the Advisor Tech Show. So um, to get us started, always start with a simple question, which is tell us a little bit about you. Uh, for those of people that don't know you, I expect a lot of people do know who you are, and also tell us about Optimus Money and, and what you're all about. Yeah, so I'm Ruth. I've been running Octopus Money for four months now, which has been a, um, a very busy time. So Octopus Money is on a mission to help everyone get access to help with their finances. Yep. So we predominantly partner with employers and we operate a guidance and advice model. So we partner with an employer, go into the workplace and say, we'll find you help. We'll find you face to face help with the person who's most appropriate for you, depending on how complicated your needs are, Right. which is... I think one of the things that from my last five years working in the advice industry, I think is the big thing that's missing, actually, is I think people with high levels of investable assets are phenomenally well served. Mm. Um, and actually people who are not yet ready to invest or don't have high levels of assets yet aren't well served. If they're someone that needs help, they're quite well served if they are self-directed. Yeah. Digital first can work for that, but I don't think it works for what I think is the majority of the UK population who need help. Um, my background's quite varied. So I spent the last five years running Octopus Investments, which mm-hmm. is the heart of the Octopus Group. Um, and before that, set up a challenger bank. Um, so spent about four years in neo-banking, in that kind of fintech heyday yeah. when everyone was trying to solve everything through pure digital scalable models. Um, and before that, I've done all sorts. I worked in management consultancy. I've spent... A year working in West Africa in international development. I worked with Tony Blair. Um, I worked for Big FMCG. So a real mix. Yeah, brilliant. And and it's interesting what you're doing with Octus Money because you're you're kind of bringing together the challenges of the advice gap and new ways for advice firms and planners to work. To yep. work, right? And it's not robo advice. So tell me a little bit about how you kind of define that because it is hybrid hybrid planning and advice, isn't it? Really, that's exactly that it. It's exactly it. So actually, I sort of learned this. It's interesting having jumped from banking mm. into um, running Octopus Investments, where all of our customers were financial advisors. So I spent an awful lot of time with some brilliant planning firms, and it gave me an insight into when I was sitting in banking, everyone was thinking we can solve everything digitally. Most people are relatively self-directed or they're more self-directed mm. when it comes to transactional banking. But as soon as you get into thinking long term, you know, no one gets out of bed in the morning wanting to write a long term financial plan. It no. just doesn't happen. They just know they need to do something. right? They just know they, they need, need to, to save do something. more or something. So I'm not sure what for. All of the models in that period were robo and built on the assumption that people would be self-directed enough to get to that front door yeah and when they got to that front door and the first question they got was how much do you want to invest that they'd have a clue what the answer was and I think what we've learned over the last 10 years is that's not true Mm. so even if someone gets to the front door when you ask them the question of how much do you want to invest most people haven't got that far in their thinking they don't know even how to approach that Mm. question then you jump over into financial planning and you realize that um Great planners have long-term, really engaged relationships with people where people feel not only that they have a plan that works for them, but they feel like all of that stress of, I don't really get any of this, has gone. Mm. Um, but we know that that industry serves you know, the people with in the top 5% of investable assets. Yeah. So what does everyone else do? So to me, the answer for everyone else is hybrid. You're very self-directed. I think you're well-served. 
actually by existing either execution only platforms or robo platforms works brilliantly yeah. very low cost very scalable i think if you're not self-directed um and you're in the mass market you're fairly poorly served yeah. and that's how i think about the advice gap and that's what we're trying to reduce and i and i totally agree with that because I've always said that it doesn't matter how much money you've got to invest, it's a lot of money to you. Absolutely. Right? Whether it's 20,000 or, or 20 million, yeah. at either end of the scale, all of us want someone to go, this is the right decision for you. Exactly. This is what you should be doing. That's, that, it's peace of mind that people pay for when they pay for an advisor or a planner. exactly right? it. It's exactly it. And someone once described it to me as the kind of am I a Wally test, which is even those people who get to the end of a robo journey yeah. sometimes don't then press, press the invest. Button. Yeah. Because they like, oh, can someone just tell me that I'm doing the right thing? Because it feels like a big decision, as you say, because if you're investing, it's a it's a decent proportion of your assets, however big that overall pot is. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you talk about financial coaching versus financial planning. Yeah. Explain a little bit about how what the difference is there and, and how that works, because yeah. that's quite important in the in the employee market, right? that it, coaching element. It's really important. So I probably the best way to describe it is for me, coaching stops before product advice. So the regulated piece of financial advice is giving advice on which product is yeah. right for you. Coaching stops before that. So what coaching does is it gets you to a long-term money plan is the way I would think about it, which if you're a financial advisor is your kind of cash flow model. But you say, so the right amount, given what we understand about you, you might think about putting this much in your pension each month, or you might think about keeping this much back as an emergency fund. What a coach will never do is say, and the Vanguard Life Strategies number eight is the right product for you because that's a regulated service. Um, so that's the from a regulatory perspective where the line stops and yeah. starts. I think the really interesting thing that I've seen over, over the last kind of five or six years, though, in the world of financial advice is, you know, post RDR, we've gone from advice being a product led mm. service to being a planning led service. So most planners I speak to say actually the piece that customers really value is that conversation is do you yeah. understand my goals can you lay that out in a way that I can really understand it can you help me think about the choices the product advice is generally the bit that people speak less about yeah. actually it's not to say that it's not important but it's the bit that it's not the bit that sort of gets people and reduces the stress for them yeah. so it's why I think coaching can be incredibly powerful because it gets you exactly the same thing that a great financial planner will give you um, but if people then choose to invest they will do it through in octopus money what from a regulatory perspective would be a robo journey so a piece of software will help um, diagnose your risk appetite and your suitability and help get you to the right place mm -hmm. but critically unlike most of the robos I see in the market it gets you past that question of what's the right amount for me to invest yeah. because you've already talked it through with someone. It's a much more emotional conversation then. It's, it's we exactly, work with yeah. One of the planners we work with, we've worked with him for years, I remember him saying to me when he sits down with the client, the first question he asks is, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Yes, exactly. That's, that's how he starts that conversation. And people are a little bit, oh, this, I was expecting sums and money and you know things that are a little bit I'm, I'm worried about already yeah. and I'm anxious about, but actually suddenly I'm thinking about the future and what I want to achieve and what, yeah. what but it's not it's not so much about the money anymore. It's about my life and where I want to get to. It is. And, and the fascinating thing when I go in and talk to employers is you realise that most employers, particularly running big organisations, are worried about diversity of their senior levels. They're worried about 
socioeconomic diversity. They're worried about productivity. Mm. A lot of that, when you dig into it, is people sitting worrying about financial their financial stress. situation. Yeah. So whether that's because they're worried about how they get through to the end of the month or they're worried about how they pay for childcare or they're worried about what happens when they retire, you know, employers are throwing so much money into auto-enrollment pensions and other benefits, but employees are sitting there going, I don't get any of this. Mm. And it doesn't give me peace of mind because I don't understand what it all means. So there's just this huge gap yeah. that I think we've previously hoped that education and webinars can solve. I don't think it does. I think you need something that's personalized for someone's situation, sort of what the financial planning industry has taught us. When you do that, it's exactly. really powerful. Exactly. And I, I guess this is a huge, you know, this whole coaching element is a huge opportun opportunity for planners and advisors yep. out there, right? That previously may have focused more on the investment side, which is obviously valuable and important. Yep. But that coaching side is where that opportunity for them to I guess, expand expand those conversations whilst technology is doing the heavy lifting, right? Because I think a lot of advisors, planners get a bit nervous about new tech and hang on a minute, I, I don't want to be sat there with a laptop in front of my client. I want They want to be having those conversations. And this yeah. is an opportunity to allow them to do the, the real value conversation, the coaching and planning conversations, rather than the let's capture some data conversations and let's fill in some forms conversations. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so I think there are huge opportunities for financial planning firms. Now, I guess the only caveat I'd say is that when I speak to planning firms, particularly at the smaller end, technology is a huge burden yeah. because most people have gone to run financial planning firms because they're brilliant at engaging mm. their customers, not because they're brilliant at um, running scalable, efficient organizations. Not so they can't do that, but it's not what they get out of bed being mm. excited about normally. So actually technology adoption um, is, is a challenge already. Um, so I wouldn't want to understate that. But actually, I think certainly when I have conversations with planning firms, there's two ways that, um, that we're really excited about working with them. The first one is sometimes when I speak to people, they're like, I need a strategy for beneficiaries or children of my advised mm. clients they don't really fit into my model because they're too expensive for me to serve in my existing model what can I say to my client so that's a really interesting opportunity for us for partnership to say actually could we look after those customers or could we at least so you can say to your advised client yeah we can help your children too I think that's really exciting to incubate them effectively exactly while they're going it. through their life so hit university and you I mean we have similar with the, the money info platform it's exactly that it's give them give that get that relationship going with them now yeah because we know we've all had the stats trotted out about 60% of people will sack their parents advisor when their wealth passes well, on totally or, and you the know, great and wealth it, transfer and how much everyone's exactly, going to inherit over the coming exactly. years so that's about getting them engaged now with simple stuff that you know might help them with their everyday money or education or content or videos or what have you yeah. and then you just kind of bringing them into that relationship, getting them used to that advisor's brand so yeah. that when the inevitable happens or when they start to go through their own life stages, they yeah. get promoted, they get a better job, they start a family, then they become more interesting in terms of their, their people that advisors want to exactly or, or can it. profitably serve. Yeah. It's exactly it. And I think when you look at that great wealth transfer, it is a challenge for people to think, yeah. how, do I, how do I navigate that? I think the other challenge that some of the, um, some of the firms I speak to have is they have a... Uh, you know, everyone says I can't hire brilliant advisors. You know, we know that not enough people are entering the industry to mm. meet the demand. So everyone always wants to hire the next advisor. And then when they look across their book, there's probably 20 or 30 percent of their book that they say, you know, I can't go and say to those people that I've helped for years and years. I'm sorry, I'm not your advisor anymore. 
But actually, when they look across the book, those are the customers that aren't profitable for them, that don't really fit their existing model. Mm. We think there's a big opportunity there. So actually, for advisors to work with us on their smaller advised clients, who we can either advise if that's the right answer for the customer, or we can move into a coaching relationship that allows um, planning firms to focus their scarce resource actually on the cohorts that they think they can serve brilliantly. Um, so that's the other way that I think advisors can think, how do I simplify my business actually and really focus on my core and is that a partnership between you and that advice firm or is it you effectively taking those clients on for... yeah so we could take those clients on for people we could partner with people if they're going through a transaction we could partner with a buyer to say well actually we'll we'll um, find great homes for all of these clients but these clients might go this way and these clients might go this way oh, that's really interesting. Um, because again I think it's a big challenge that lots of firms have particularly those advisors that are looking to exit yeah um, is they'll get lots of questions from potential transition options saying well I kind of like this there but I'm but I'm not sure about this. Be, but those there's are a people. consumer duty angle for that totally. as well, right? If you're not looking after those clients in in the right way, if you're not meeting those four outcomes, you've got to do something about it now, haven't you? That's because it. you're going to get scrutinised. And no, um, no planner wants to if they're you know if the time is right for them to retire. No one wants to walk away feeling as if they haven't done the best thing by their yeah. customers. Yeah. Um, that's absolutely true of everyone I've met across the industry. But that doesn't mean that it's the right. The same answer is right for everyone. And that's yeah. one of the things that I see people grappling with. And you're with. right, because they, these are very personal relationships. They mm. A lot of advisors I speak to and planners I speak to, their clients are their friends. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just about I'm, I'm investing your money here over in Vanguard or whatever. Yeah. It's all about the relationship and their, you know, they socialize with their, they've got really tight relationships. Yeah. So it's, it's very hard when they come to when they're looking at that succession planning to, yeah. to find a home for those clients totally. and know and want, that it's the right place. For yeah, them. they want to walk away with pride and say, I've done the, I've done the best yeah, yeah. thing by every one of my customers. Yeah, that's really interesting. And just going back to the tech adoption thing, because it's something that we're really passionate about on Money Info, mm. and there is a real challenge, particularly with advisors and planners, for obvious reasons, you know, that they, they have been perhaps a bit stung by tech in the past. Yeah. There's this whole, I've got this system, I'm only using 10% of it. There is the, my clients won't use technology, mm-hmm. which I say all the time, sorry, advisors that are listening, but it's generally advisors won't use technology. But I, I get why, because yeah. you, this is what they want to be doing. Yeah. They don't want to be barriers to, to that conversation. How are you, how are you, um, how are you approaching that challenge at Octopus Money and Seckle as well? Because, you know, that that's the real thing that's get them bought in and engage with it and it will fly, won't it? And that impacts on client adoption as well. It so, does. It does. I mean, Seckle is really leading the way in this, in mm-hmm. my view, in that it um, we try and strike a balance between giving power back to the advisor to own their customer, which is what they, you know, mm. what they feel as if they do. They own that relationship. So by being your own platform, it allows you to, make sure that actually the the product you're delivering to customers is exactly what your customers need. Yeah. Um, but we're equally very well aware that for some firms, they will think, okay, I get, I get tech. I've got people in my firm that get tech. I feel really confident doing this. And for others, they won't. So we do an awful lot of hand-holding education support to make sure that when people are going through that tech journey, they're making the right choices. They're not just thinking about their platform. They're thinking about the tech that sits around that Mm. so that, you know, you you come across some firms where you'll speak to someone in an operational role and they say, oh, well, you know, I'd probably rekey things between five systems. We should not as humans now with the technology progress we've made be rekeying things between five systems. Yeah. 
Um, and the really fascinating thing I find in implementing, in the process of implementing Seckle in our business is what I'm going to be able to do is switch a customer between a coach relationship and an advised relationship, clearly with their consent and with them understanding exactly what's happening, but keep them on the same platform, yes. which is one of the things that I think our industry mm. so often fails at is if you is kind of you go into this relationship and, and you're stuck with it because mm. otherwise I'm going to have to take you up here and put you on over here. And that's really complicated. Um, I don't think customers will need the same level of support at every point in their life. No, and I so, don't necessarily think they want it either. No. They don't want, you know, a weekly phone call with an advisor, they, but they want regular engagement. But that's where technology can keep that relationship ticking along, can't it, until you get to the next review point or, or life change that needs yeah. needs the planner involved. It's exactly. And probably one of the differences in Octopus Money between our tech and um, and what I think is prevalent in the industry now is we realise that Oxford's money, we're trying to change habits mm. predominantly. And changing habits habits is not about someone checking how much what's happening to their investments and their investment performance. It's about selling themselves actions. It might be, oh, I really should write or update my will, or I really should look again at my workplace pension contributions, mm. or or maybe I should increase, or maybe I should set up a GIA and, and start investing. But actually, all of our tech is about actions and reminding people that actually, if you want to achieve that goal, if you want to change your financial future, these are the small steps you can take to yeah. do that. So that's what our technology does, which is a slightly different spin from what people experience through, say, an execution only platform, yeah. which is largely that investment performance, which some people are interested in. but. For lots of people, they're not but quite there yet. But most planners would tell their clients, you don't need to be looking at your investments every day. Absolutely I don't want not. you to look at them every day. And, and and a lot of clients will say, I'm paying you for that. Yeah. You're managing my money. Yeah. You've, you've given me, I'm not worried about looking at that every day. But actually, that interaction, that communication, those action prompts yeah. are what they really get the value from. That's exactly it. And then um, the, the, really, um, the really interesting point is when then something changes quite rapidly in that customer's life, which, again, I think financial planners do brilliantly. If you know, if you suffer a bereavement or a divorce or you have your first child, I think lots of people will pick up the phone to their financial advisor mm. and their financial advisor will manage them through that. Again, in the mass market, I don't see that. So um, before Christmas, we brought a company into the Octopus Group called Guardian Angel that helps people prepare for and manage at the point of bereavement so you know pre-bereavement it's about writing wills it's about powers of attorney it's about helping people understand what earth preparation is. When, yeah um and then at the point of bereavement it's about helping them navigate something complicated like probate which most people you say the word probate they don't even know what it is no and they don't know where to turn um so again i think that the financial coaching relationship can be the real gateway to those points where normally you speak to someone about what they do if they're bereaved they're like well I kind of get the metaphorical yellow pages out and I find a local lawyer and then I'm is that someone I trust or how do I assess whether that's the right um, service provider for me I think demystifying some of that and actually giving them a partner they can trust is when people need it most when yeah. they're most you know there's enough going on emotionally without all of the admin of something like probate and we see that as well because we see that's where the tech is always maintaining that relationship it's under the advisor's or planner's brand yeah for the client that's where all my stuff is all my financial stuff is i've got my in case of emergency place in yeah. there and everything and it just makes it a much easier transition when that happens and the, the tech's kind of doing all the heavy lifting and then it's that that valuable conversation exactly that's it. coming through. And even running Octopus Investments, when customers would call at the point at which they'd um, 
inherited, if they have that conversation with their financial planner at that point, all financial planners will tell you this, they're going to make better decisions than if the first call they make is to the lawyer who, you know, we've seen cases of assets being liquidated that perhaps wasn't the right answer if yeah. they'd had the conversation. Maybe it was, but actually that needs to be a joined up conversation. Yeah. And those two industries don't always work brilliantly no. together. Sometimes they do, but not always. Yeah. And it means that customers, you know, how do you know what a lawyer does and what a financial and, advice and does and what an accountant does? And at that time, you don't want a cold transactional conversation, no. do you? you? You've suffered a bereavement. You're a vulnerable client, effectively. Yeah. You you want a warm, you want a trusted conversation, don't yeah. you? And, and, a, and advice and, and guidance to do the right thing. And I think that's where the opportunity is with particularly hybrid advice and hybrid planning with technology and the advisor working together to really build that so that in the future, you know, it, it, you know, it benefits everybody. Exactly. And if the technology is working well, then your financial planning popu- uh, conversation can pre-populate yeah. half of your will. So there's no point in you going over to a will provider over here and relaying out where all your assets are when you've already had that conversation yeah. like that's what that's what technology and what you don't have what interests do. me about SECL particularly in the industry is we are all we all talk about APIs now we've got open architecture open APIs yeah. now, but the reality is being open and having APIs isn't the end of the story it's about the people in those companies and yeah. it's about the culture in that company isn't it and their ethos and their appetite to work with other companies that really makes it happen yeah. and I don't think we've, we're there anywhere near where we could be in terms of integrated tech in the industry but I know that SECL are truly open about it they you know they say to us we integrate with, with SECL but the, the portal we're not really bothered about people using our front end we want you to and it's it's, yep. a, it's a really refreshing approach and that must have a huge impact on on your business in terms of yeah how much you can partner with other organizations and and the impact you can have on that single source of truth which is never one system no matter what people tell you your single source of truth is your tech ecosystem right it's exactly it and actually one of the things that I got most excited about when we originally brought Settle into the group is I think it can be a catalyst for innovation Mm. so the piece of the stack that Settle looks after which is the custody it's the managing all of those third-party relationships it's the client assets you know, it's the sort of unglamorous bit yeah. in most people's minds. It's not the client interaction. It's the it's the nuts and bolts behind the scenes that, that you can never write a business case for someone rebuilding that. But what they need to do is plug into someone that they trust, mm. that can do all of that for them and can do it in a way that they can then create the customer journeys they want. So in being able to get up and running so quickly on a platform like Seckle, it means that all sorts of customer models can proliferate because one model alone is not going to solve this gigantic advice gap we've got. Yes. You need lots and lots and lots of people innovating. And, you know, from a second perspective, I'm completely agnostic as to sort of who wins in the commercial sense. Really what I want is the customer to win because lots of people are experimenting and each innovation will work well for a subset of customers. Yeah. But overall, you start to close that gap. Yeah. Same with Octopus Money. You know, I'd love to see a day where... We look after clients, but actually we provide some of our technology and some of our expertise to, to others so they can. Yeah. Because one one organization alone is not going to get... Nobody's going to do everything perfectly no. right, are they? That it, It's nice when we kind of stick to our knitting. We're good at that. Somebody said to me a couple of weeks ago, you know, we're, we're not interested in doing plant portal because you do that on purpose. Yeah. We wouldn't be doing it on purpose. It's kind of not, it's yeah. not our core to what we do. Yeah, and that's where we need to, we need to 
talk and innovate more together yeah. because you're, you're not going to get a single tech provider that does everything brilliantly. No. And actually, they'll end up doing a lot of stuff quite badly just to get the breadth rather than actually focusing on what exactly their it. clients could really benefit from. And then us all kind of talking together and building this this ecosystem because there's room for everybody. There is absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's the most sort of underserved industry I've I've ever worked in. I think the other interesting tech angle that certainly I've learned over the years is what what new and more integrated tech does necessitate unless you want to spend an awful lot of money is that you're open-minded enough to re-engineer your business around the technology yeah rather than expecting the technology to engineer around your business so I've certainly made the mistake in the past of thinking I should um, customize software to follow the exact process I've already got I don't believe now that you build an efficient business that way. Yeah. So the one lesson, even even for someone who's not, who wouldn't describe themselves as techie, is at least think, well, if there's an operational process built into the, you know, whether that's the platform, whether it's the CRM, whether it's other systems you're using, think about how operations and technology can, can meet in the middle. Yeah. Because if you go into this thinking the technology will come into your business and completely recreate the process that you've got, I think it's going to be a very expensive enterprise. And that's not what you're investing in tech for, are you? You're exactly. investing in tech because the processes you've already got probably aren't that efficient. Exactly. So why would you want to reinvent them on on, on, on new technology? Exactly. And also we see a lot, we're going to get this piece done first and then we're going to do this piece and then yeah. we're going to look at it across because yeah. actually this piece of technology over here could inform what you're going to do back exactly. here. So think about, we try to say, pick off some three, three big things yeah. that you want to do, just three. And work on those across the piece yeah and then you'll start to you'll learn you'll understand the, the technologies and the processes that you're working with and then you'll get those ideas yeah. and you think actually we should be changing that because now we've got this piece here that's exactly it. and you know technology is not that different from money when you first start talking about it you're like what are all these words people are yeah. using yeah how do i get my head around this and then you realize that you know there's just sort of logical decisions yeah. under the hood so if you can tolerate and get yourself into the mindset of i'm going to learn enough that i that I know what people are talking about, it's then not that scary. There's a sensible business decisions on what's the right outcome for my customer, what's the best way for me to build an efficient business. And then the tech solutions are, you know, it's it's not a mystery, no. it's not a black box. And it box. doesn't have, you know, we always say it doesn't have to be a 12-month project. Let's take it, let's take two or three months, let's get this piece right. Exactly. Then we'll test it, test and learn, test and learn, test and fail, yeah. and go again and do it. You know, that's, that's what you have to accept, isn't it? It's, it's more about, for me, Technology adoption, a lot of it is a culture shift, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. In the business. It's not It's not the tech. It's getting that mindset to think, you know, well, let's be brave and let's just kind of rip that up and have a look at what we might we might now be achieving. Yeah, well, and, and you know, let's understand the macro trends in our industry, which is, you know, I, I think people will continue to pay for um, brilliant person-led planning. Yeah. But I think people will become increasingly less tolerant of paying for expensive operational processes yeah. data because they gathering. will realize they don't need to so i think it's that part of the fee structure that will continue to come under pressure so either you're you're ahead of that and you're reducing your cost to serve so that you can reduce your price or you're going to be squeezed yeah um because because i think that is coming over time especially as now with consumer duty you have to demonstrate value absolutely you've got to be able to have demonstrable measurable value that you're delivering to your yeah. clients so exactly. it's going to come under more and more pressure yeah and rekeying between systems does not add a yeah. lot of customer value yeah. no not really not really um i think we're heading towards the end of our, our times i don't know how long we've been natural no, to be honest but um we're coming towards the end of time so before we finish 
for uh, planning firms that are out there, they're really interested in what you're doing. How can they find out more? What can you, you know, how can they get involved and, and, and what do they do next if they're thinking, that sounds brilliant, I want to... Yeah, so they should reach out to me, find me on LinkedIn, contact me directly. I'd love to speak to anyone either who's thinking, what's the right strategy for my smaller clients? Is coaching something that I should think about for my firm? I'm always happy to have a conversation to explain what we do and then people can decide whether it's right for their firm, whether it's in partnership with us or not. Because as we said, there is such a big gap here yeah. um, that actually the more people interested in thinking, how do I serve the mass market, which is how I think about it. Coaching is part of the solution, but I, I wouldn't necessarily describe us as a coaching business. We're a business that is trying to offer financial help to everyone. Yeah. Um, and if that's something that people feel passionate about, I'd love to chat to them. And that's interesting because this whole advice gap thing is, you know, a lot of advice firms think it's not something we can solve. It's not something we can deal with. Whereas actually there are solutions out there. There are partnerships right. out there. There are all sorts of ways that they can they can work with companies they like yours can. to kind of to solve that problem. And everyone I meet is as passionate about it as I am. Yeah. Um, but but yes. it's knowing the path to, to get there, exactly. right? exactly it brilliant brilliant thank you so much Ruth it's been an absolute delight to talk to you in real life today I'm very <laughs> excited it's my first on the road Is podcast oh, on it. location I so here at Optus Money so thank you so much for uh, for coming on the podcast and um, I hope I'm sure it's been really insightful for our listeners so um, hopefully we'll catch up again soon thank you very much thank you